scary movie. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? For fun? magical time of year. Now tell me we will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. You still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I get through any door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus. A demon who punishes the naughty. He rips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fine. It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this? There's a psychopath on all these. Bring the changeling back to the forest. That ain't your son. Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season. I think I watched them like back to back. All righty. A little early, hopefully. Mine, the lore of Milwaukee. <laughs> Welcome back. Can you hear me? Nobody heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So, oh, welcome. To, uh, we're, welcome we're inside to movies galore. galore. Yeah, we're inside movies galore, and uh, this tonight's episode is about the 2015 uh, Christmas horror uh, anthology film, A Christmas Horror Story, 
starring William Shatner and a bunch of other delightful Canadian actors who uh, we ignorant stateside people know nothing about, uh, more than likely. But we do know the delightful um, Canadian treasure that is William Shatner, and he is the glue that holds the various stories together. Uh, we got four different stories, uh, some which cover a variety of the um, so, you know the subgenres of horror. You know, you got a ghost story, you got uh, you know a changeling, you got uh, Krampus, and you got uh, kill, you got uh, zombified elves with Santa having to mow them down, and uh, they all do tie together, despite the fact that the Stories just on paper sound like they have nothing to do each, with each other, but they do tie together very nicely. Um, I, for one, quite enjoyed the film. Uh, but let's hear what other people had to say. So let's start with uh, Michelle. What did you think of it? Well, yeah, the first time I watched it twice, because the first time I watched it, I missed a lot of these tie-ins. And I was like, okay, this one doesn't seem to go. A couple of them seem to tie in, so I watched it again. And that's when I picked up some of the subtler nuances that did tie it together. So now I'm like, oh, yes, it was tied together very nicely. That was like ready to like pitch a fit. And I was like, nope, it was just me missing things. So if you watch it and you get confused, watch it again and it'll put everything into perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really actually enjoyed the movie. How'd you that like quite it? Good. How'd you like it in comparison to Krampus uh, last week? Uh, you know, I actually, I, I liked it a little bit better I just because there was a little bit more going on, and I love William Shatner, so, <laughs> big Star Trek fan, so. Yeah, I, I felt the same For way, me. actually. Um, what did you, th what did everybody think of, well, I'll go one by one, but what did everyone, very quickly, did everyone like this characterization of the Krampus more than the other one, or vice versa? And this one, I thought he was kind of a just like generic demon sort of. So I, I like, I liked the other Krampus better. Like this one was, you know, fine. Like he looked, um, he looked like freaking, what's his name? He looked like Azog, like from The Hobbit. Uh, um, more traditional Krampus, really. Well, he had the tongue, yeah, but. Um, let's see. Much like the Liberace of Krampuses. Mm -hmm. What did uh, Red Raven think of the film? Of, uh, um, um, I liked it up until the end. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the one story, because um, it was like four stories, and then um, the end kind of seemed a little bit pointless because it in it invade it um invalidates the one storyline because the one girl's family um dies and then Krampus, she becomes Krampus and kills the old lady but then we come to find out at the end that uh, Santa was just some guy who was crazy and was this Krampus who was f f fighting and was some guy who was Krampus because he had this psychotic episode and so he 
we've already seen as something very real as a story and it's totally like makes us believe in this other story and so it was like I just felt like the ending didn't make very much sense I would disagree with I would disagree with that honestly because um, they are loosely connected the stories um, I think that in that particular case the store Santa that went crazy I think he was hallucinating not only the zombified elves but uh, seeing Krampus in there as opposed to uh, the other one in which the spirit of Krampus was very real, because then you have to think about the fact that ghosts in the one story were re- you know happened and a changeling and all that stuff. So, I mean, it uh, and again, it's an anthology, so they don't have to be overly tight, you know, in the storytelling, uh, just tight enough. But um, let's see. So. Um, what about uh, Septim Sin? What did you think? Uh, I, uh, I pretty, well, of course, last week I had said that I had, uh, this one was right. Uh, this one and the other one were uh, in my top ones for Krampus. I actually really did like the anthology. It kind of reminds me, if you go back to, uh, not the Trick or Treat we covered, but the uh, other Trick or Treat, or actually Trick or Treat. Yeah, the, the, one, the uh, 2007 one. Yeah, and that just that loose anthology, um, uh, which has that one thing connecting him, mainly William Shatner. But to me, I thought all the stories were quite interesting. And the first time I saw it, I actually did not see that coming with the uh, guy hallucinating all of it, especially with all the other supernatural elements of the uh, tale. It kind of, uh, it was a twist that I thought was actually a fresh surprise in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that you really wouldn't have expected because this one was the most grounded in reality. Yeah. I I like uh, when twists work. I felt like that one worked. Um, Speaking of which, uh, if anybody's a fan of Weird Al Yankovic, you'll remember the song The Night Santa Went Crazy, uh, which is all about Santa like killing all the elves and the reindeer and all that stuff. And in this case, it kind of happened. So... There you I saw go. Like Deadly Night a few days ago. The, feeling that. the feature film adaptation of the Weird Al song. Let's just call it right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm with you there as far as um, the characterization of Krampus being more traditional. I really like that. Even though it too had its own twist on the thing. Isn't he um, supposed to be furry? Is he supposed to be furry? Um, well, it's it's half goat, half demon, so only only the lower half has to be furry. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's and he was furry. Um, well, while we're on you, uh, Dustin, tell us what you thought of the film. His ass still looks like an orc. Um, well, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised as someone sneezes into their mic repeatedly. Um, so I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I first, when I first saw the art for this, like on the shelf at Family Video, I was like, "Oh, it's another one of those." Because every year when like a big movie comes out, you get like six or seven knockoffs mm-hmm. um, where they just do a terrible job trying to tell the same story. Uh, and so I just sometimes them. don't. Sometimes they do their own story. They just happen to market it that way. Well, that's a long argument. I won't get into. Um, but uh, so anyway, I thought it was just going to be like one of those crap fests, and it's like, uh, I have to sit through this, and it's like, wow, this has production value. It's like, wow, somebody actually 
wrote the plot in it ahead of time, like not on the set. Uh, and I ended up having a pretty good time watching it. Like the only story that I didn't think quite worked was the ghost story, but I personally dislike ghost stories. Like I just can't get into them. So I think that's probably what my real problem with it was. Um, I thought the wraparound was pretty good. And the way that you didn't get one story after another, like you got a segment from story A, then you w went into segment from story B. Like I really liked that structure for it. Um, like, cause it made it, it made it different from the other anthology films I'm used to seeing where each story has its own linear progression, uh, yeah. as the movie continues on. Um, I did kind of wonder, it's like, what the hell is going on at the mall? Um, and yeah, I wondered about that. Sorry, but I thought that was really clever. Yeah. Um, a funny way to do that where you just have like Shatner alluding to it, but you never actually show us what happens at the mall. Like, mm. that could have been pretty funny. Um. Uh, well, we kind of assume it's like the opening of the movie Krampus that we watched last time. We just kind of assume that it's just like Black Friday pandemonium or like last minute shopping pandemonium. And exactly. it turns out that it's a lot more than that. Um, kind of funny, actually, that you mentioned the um, fact that you can't really get into ghost stories or whatever. What's funny is that um, I dare say that I, I... Well, you share the same opinion with uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. He's not really a huge fan of ghost stories because to him it's such a non-specific right. thing. Um, honestly, I really love ghost stories and I love anything supernatural and non-physical just because I feel like it, uh, when it's a threat that you can't really fight as a mortal being, then to me that's scarier. Um, but again, to each his own. If on, if, uh, it, I mean, it's for, more that... Well, for whatever no. reason, I actually... I don't know. I liked all the stories. Uh, for whatever reason, I did really like the ghost story. I think it was the most disconnected from the Christmas theme. But for whatever reason, I was really drawn to it. I think because it had a really good sense of atmosphere. And I, I tend to be attracted to stories with a lot of uh, heavy atmosphere. And uh, it had a good feel to it, at least to me. But, like, obviously, best moments, I think, were, like, with Krampus and with Santa killing the elves and things like that. Uh, I don't know. I just, the, the kind of d d dim lights and creepy setting and mannequins and uh, all that kind of stuff, that tends to win some points for me. Um, Actually, it did have almost an exorcist-type quality to it, that particular storyline. Yeah. Well, I hated it, too. That, that and also... Um, I thought that the uh, leading lady in that story, uh, his name is Zoe de Grand Mason. Uh, my son, however you, it's a uh, my son. My son. That's what I thought. You get you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of French names in uh, Canada. And, uh, yeah, but um, I liked her a lot, and um, I thought that she definitely had a good. Uh, command of that particular story um but i i do concede that it's the story that probably stands out the most in a not good way if for no other reason that it's not the most holiday themed out of all of them um uh, let's see did everyone have a favorite story i thought we were gonna get a killer tree story but that that went its own places um <laughs> You wanted a killer tree story, did you? I thought we were going to get a killer tree story, and I was like, okay, how are they going to pull that off? And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is probably better. 
Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, though. Um, I don't know what's my favorite. How about you guys go while I try to think? Well, actually, uh, did anyone have a least favorite? Is my my least favorite was probably the one with the changeling, just because I don't know why. It just that one didn't really grab me. I didn't find the characters that compelling, and eh, I don't know. But uh, what did everyone else think as far as favorite, least favorite? I didn't like the uh, doppelganger one that much, oddly enough. Uh, yeah, that's the one I took. But there was something about it. I feel like that's one that they really didn't do very well with the time that they had. It's one that I think they needed to flesh out a little bit more. Yeah. Like, always something, something you should have known about some of the characters involved that you didn't like the father. Like, there's obviously something going on that, you know, he was he was mad or drunk or something in the past. Getting back, but, you know. Well, see, that's one of the one of the, the tie-ins, is he, he was, was the cop in that, that video. discovered the bodies from the ghost story from the murder uh, the year before. Yeah. Right. And he was on, uh, what are they say, like, some kind of, like, mental, mental leave. He had not returned to work in a year. Yeah, that's right. Like, psychological... Uh... Psychic. Psychological leave, yeah, some kind of mental, mental break. And that's that's why he Stress had that gun. Like that. That's why he had the gun on the table, uh, right before he gets his hand chopped off by the, uh, by the changeling. Um, and they never, they never tell us this. Um, we assume that the uh, mom gets her real child back. Although I was kind of waiting for the twist where it turned out, in fact, that she didn't get her child back, but. We don't see that, so I assume that she really did get her child back. Um, well, the changelings don't talk, and he talked. That's true. Um, I was kind of waiting for that twist, but yeah, indeed. Uh, I think that's what they were wanting us to get out of it. Um, Just ending yeah, the entire I, bunch. <laughs> I, I agree, though, that that was probably my least favorite one. Um, let's see. Uh, I personally uh, liked... The, I agree that the characterization of the Krampus had obviously more development in uh, the obviously the movie called Krampus. So, uh, duh, obviously. Um, I personally liked the characterization of this Krampus uh, more, if for no other reason, that it was more traditional. Um, and I, not to say I didn't like what I saw in the movie Krampus, I just felt like for uh, people that were not already familiar with Krampus, that this would have given them a more accurate depiction of what Krampus is like, as opposed to just evil Santa, you know, if if that makes sense. Um, but it depends on what you like. They're both good in their own way. And, and this one did the idea of the spirit of Krampus can possess be, uh, living beings. And, you know, that's how the spirit of this creature is able to live on for thousands of years. So that makes sense. Um, I wish see. I would have watched it twice. Just because there's a lot of details. A lot, a lot of details, yeah, you know, because there was four stories and, you know, I only watched it once, you know, and Michelle made a good point, you know, that she picked up on a lot the second time she watched it. Yeah. But I, I liked how the... I liked how the various stories did have those details that tied them all together, and it wasn't uh, like with Trick or Treat how they did the same. Uh, they did the same kind of thing, except that their 
um, the, it's the pieces are a lot easier to um, track down as far as how the various stories connect, and also because they kind of jump back and forth in a way that shows um, precisely how they're connected, not to mention the fact that geographically they're very close to each other in Trick or Treat. Here, I feel like they were a bit more spread out, but still obviously in the same uh, relative area, but they're not like within blocks of each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so David has uh, logged out and logged back in, and so he wants me to ask him what he thought of the film. All right. Can anybody, everyone hear me? Sporadically. Um, I'm going to try. A, uh, I'm going to try. The one thing I wanted to bring up is is uh, when it came out and uh, it came direct to video uh, at Walmart actually had something where they didn't want to call oh yeah the, the, you, you know what I mean yeah they wanted to call it a holiday horror story yeah they called it a holiday horror story which I think was just I thought the- that was well, isn't that just on the cover, though? The co- uh, cover, but Walmart, Walmart, uh, to me, uh, for doing that, because it was not. I mean, yeah, it was gory with the elves and whatnot, but uh, was a bad choice on Walmart's move. I think they they caught a lot of flack for that, um, but um, speaking of goriness and you know all that, I- that's one thing I was very happy um, with the film that they were able to be a lot more hardcore with the the violence and with the impact of the violence, which is much more important to me. Um, I liked the um, I don't know. I just I felt like it had a greater impact, um, and also just. For information, it came out direct to video here in the United States with a via video on demand release, and um, I think that it did. Ha- I don't know if anybody in Canada can correct me on this. I think it did come out in theaters, at least in a limited theatrical release uh, in Canada, which is obviously its native country. Um, but uh, you know, I like seeing what other countries do with horror and especially like uh what canada can do because they they have had um you know they have a lot of companies that you know walmart i know for example like they do stock a lot of films from entertainment one uh, which is a canadian company and um you know it's just it's really good to see what other countries are doing with their film uh, output but um, overall, I felt like the violence level in this carried a greater impact. Not only it wasn't just for shock value, but I just felt like this it was a lot more impactful than just you know teaching bad people a lesson like in Krampus, the movie that we saw uh, last week. Um, and particularly, that transitions into another question that I want to ask people: Is how did they like the characterization of Santa in this? 
I have to say, uh, George Buza played the ba most badass Santa Claus <laughs> I have ever seen before in my life. The performance was amazing. Yeah, I, I love that Santa. He was probably my favorite that I've seen out of all the Santas, <laughs> even though it turns out to be his hallucination. Which I have to say, uh, if Billy Bob Thornton was bad Santa, then that guy was like even worse Santa. <laughs> oh, I think that Santa needs his own action movie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I love the fact that his uh, staff, you know, I don't know, he just, he's really skilled with that staff and with the axe and with. That's why all I said that the stuff. Adult thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's that, that's the only thing. It's like he just needs magic and then he'll be complete. Uh, this this had a lot of stuff in it. We had elves, we had an orc, we had Gandalf. This is pretty great. Yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, all he needs is magic, which technically Santa Claus is magical, but I mean like in the offensive magic sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fun, but, fun um, magic. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, uh, by the way, I think my favorite story was the, uh, the Krampus one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I, did, I didn't really care for the family in that, but I love the Krampus himself in that. I didn't mind that they died. Let me put it that way. Like they were, yeah, they weren't great. But again, it's a short, it's a short film essentially. That you know, gets... I enjoyed the Changeling. Yeah, you did like that one. Which yeah, not to know. not to say that I didn't like it, but that was my least favorite out of all of them. But if you like that, then wonderful. That's a fantasy thing that doesn't get a whole lot of play. Like it's it's a really interesting. Uh, is it a folktale or I'm not sure what, what specifically, specifically. Well, there's there's a lot of doppelganger stories out there, and obviously the word doppelganger, I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that Germanic in origin? But it's that different word? from a changeling. So I know yeah. I know um, I know like a two-handed sword in a German in German is like doppelhander or something. Yeah, so, pretty sure. It's a it's a similar idea anyway, but um, it uh, I do think that that story could stand to have a full feature film devoted to it, in which you could have greater development of the idea and of the characters. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, the ringleader of this whole thing, uh, William Shatner, the delightful Canadian treasure and Captain Kirk himself. Um, I have to say, honestly, I thought he did a, for what little kind of role he had, even though he was kind of the, the host of the thing, uh, the bridge between all these stories, I thought he gave a really good performance, honestly. For having a very little to work with, he really did a good job, and he is notorious for hamming it up in spots when he should <laughs> In spots when he shouldn't, he should not do it. Yes, and yeah, he yeah. Was, he you know who really saw good, that? I thought in this. Jesus saw that. Jesus and his dad. He he did a well. Didn't he did a really good job? He like when he needed to dig down deep. Um, again with very little go on, he could do it. And then when he needed to be sort of Burl Ives esque, for the uh, you know just the fact that he really loves Christmas and all that, he he could do it. Um, so that that just tells you that for as much as Shatner gets um, kind of made fun of these days for hamming it up in moments when he shouldn't, he can really dig down deep. Um, and he was a classically trained actor and everything. So there you go. 
Actually, his part reminded me a lot of the old-school type anthology horror of the 80s, where they would have an announcer like this or somebody on the radio in the background uh, playing in the cars. There were a number of movies. I can't remember where 80s or 90s. I keep mixing it up sometimes. <laughs> but they, but a lot, I remember that they used to have a lot of those... Um, ooh, feedback. Um, things going on mm -hmm. so it kind of brought me back to an older school um she is the old school and this is really these types of movies are bringing it back <laughs> oh yeah one well, and it makes sense because anthologies are a great way for filmmakers to get their stuff shown in a way that is attention grabbing and keeps people's interest I, I like having multiple stories going on at once. I'm not one of those people that needs one story just told linearly this isn't exactly or otherwise you'll exactly. get lost. What, David? Um, yeah, I'm not one of those people. I um, I do tend to like having a lot going on. And, uh, and this isn't exactly your regular Not exactly what? It wasn't exactly an anthology, did you say? I would disagree with that. Well, I think because it was it was it was clearly an, an anthology. Um, but I, I can kind of see the case for how you can make that because of the way it was presented, like with all of like. Oh, th uh, this isn't exactly your. This isn't your regular anthology either. Yeah. No, I mean it, it's a, I would call it a more modern anthology, similar to Trick or Treat, in which the stories are connected in some form or fashion, and we are able to cut back and forth, which is good because it helps main, maintain interest. Basically, normally something. Yeah. Yeah, um, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, we can't really hear you. Um, let's see. Um, what else? Did anyone have a favorite? So, uh, but not, uh, not so much. Uh, not so much uh, story, but which of the concept, uh, the conceits, the concepts being presented? Which one did you like best? We had uh, just to recap. We had a ghost. We had Krampus, we had uh, Changeling, and then we had Zombie Elves. The which... Zombie Elves for me, that because mm -hmm. uh, there was so much action during those sequences, during that part of the story, that it really that was my favorite. I happen to like fight scenes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the fight scene between Krampus and Santa Claus was really outstanding. That was pretty cool. So uh, it was very well done. I think I'd agree with the. Um with the zombie elves, because that's really not something I'd seen done before. I mean, I hadn't really seen a changing story either, but um, zombie elves was pretty unique. So I'll, I'll give it that. Like, it wasn't my favorite story, mm -hmm. um, but I respect the, I respect, I, yeah, I respect what it tried to do. Like, it was, I like uniqueness, um, especially if it's done well, and they did a good job of that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and I'm also glad that the uh, cover on the box um, with, Santa versus Krampus. I'm glad that they didn't uh, 
cheat out on us with that. I'm glad that that actually happened, even though it was pretty brief. Because um, I would have been pissed if that was just the artwork and it didn't actually happen in the movie. Um, but uh, David is David is messaging me, and he says that his favorite scenes were the Krampus scenes and the zombie elves. So it seems like we've got a pretty good consensus as far as zombie elves being a winner. And um, he specifically liked the parts where their heads were sliced off. And uh, <laughs> who, who, who doesn't really? Because uh, they were like Salem's Lot vampire elves. Well, you got to you got to slice them heads nice and clean. You got to fry them up in a frying pan. Salt, pepper, paprika, little oregano. That's good eating right there. Well, they were like elf. yeah, I, I like the zombie elf one too. That was probably my favorite. Oregano's yeah. gross. It's uh, well, they well, oregano thinks you're gross. So how do you feel about that? <laughs> you have to have a little bit of basil uh, to go with that oregano. Yeah, we exactly. Missed um, let's see what else. Um, any particular actors besides Shatner who you felt did a particularly good job or stood out in some way? Huh. I like the actually I like the guy who played Santa in that. Uh, not necessarily because his acting was wonderful, but just because he struck such an imposing figure. Uh, you could you could feel that this guy was serious. This not not the one that they revealed him to be in the end, but the actual like badass Santa <laughs> that he was. He played it well, and like you said, his presence was very commanding and. But definitely, did, he did stand out for me as well. Oh yeah, I would love to see um, not one in which the elves turn into zombies or whatever. I would love to see a version of Santa similar to oh, the one that he played oh, in cool. his imagination, in which, uh, well, well in other words, in which you had a Santa who, you know, was sort of like a a mountain man, basically, uh, and. There is something like that. Um, oh, I'm going to hate having revealed that I know this, but uh, Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. I love it. It's so <laughs> it. Segment. What is it? We got to watch that. This. Uh, oh, no, absolutely not. Yes, uh, yes we got to watch it. It is so they, they funny. Have their Santa, it's like, you know. What's it called? <laughs> It's called Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. It, it uh, really? Oh my God! It's the moment where it's, it's like, so you know, so and so guy from like biblical times or whatever ridiculous thing he says, and then it like cuts to like Lord of the Rings Santa. Well, what, what it actually? Okay, so what it actually is that he cuts to? I don't, I don't want to talk about this too much because I do want us to watch it. Uh, but anyway, so very quickly, um, yeah, in the flashback of that film, you see his representation of St. Nicholas uh, you know, in the early days of the Christian church. And of course, because it's Kirk Cameron and because the people who made Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas, because they don't know how to make a movie, it is very bizarre. And that's all I want to say for it right now, because that deserves a whole other conversation. Uh, I did want to make uh, one small mention about uh, Rob Archer, who played Krampus. Mm-hmm. His body, oh my god, he looked like a marble statue. You know, when they put the white makeup on him, he looked like a statue. So, <laughs> is that like his? Is that like his natural body that they just painted white? That's his natural body, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just had to uh, make mention that he looked like demons from Don, like a demon from Dante's Inferno. Like if you've ever played that game, 
Um, yeah. like, no. all, like the demons from Dante's. But just a really no, like a really pretty, like a really pretty Greek statue. Well, look up, look up Lucifer from Dante's Inferno, and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> give uh, give credit to this film as well as to uh, Krampus, which you talked about last week. Give credit to both of those films for using practical effects, and mm-hmm. I would say particularly uh, this Krampus looked really good and was a good representation of traditional Krampus in cinematic form. You wouldn't uh, think it was direct was video. <laughs> say what? You wouldn't think it was direct to video. Was that uh, well? Right? It was. It was for us in the United States. I think it did get. Uh, at the very least, a limited theatrical release in Canada, if not a big theatrical release. Um, however, I don't know. I can see that. Not 100% sure of uh, how they do their release structures uh, in uh, Canada, but my big hope is that it got a decent amount of exposure there because uh, I thought it was worth it. Um, let's see. Any other thoughts about the film? Uh, those elves... I did want to put one thing out. Uh, I always I thought the elves they were very much inspired uh, by the deadites from Evil Dead. That's exactly what they acted like. Nice. Instead of regular zombies, because they were doing it, um, they kind of had that almost possessed quality to them. Yes. And, and they were very rude with the cursing, they were swearing, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just how Dustin talks in real life. Oh, real life you. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna hurt you. Uh, let's see. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty happy I saw it because, I, I, again, like before, I was just really skeptical it was going to be some kind of cash-in knockoff thing, but it, it really impressed me. Um, and, like, the twist ending, too, like, that was pretty clever because it's like oh okay they didn't have something of that genre yet so um although it did make uh it would make another viewing of the thing like really messed up um like i thought it played really fine where you know he's a krampus but the krampus is still real like in that universe so i reconciled that perfectly fine Mm -hmm. Uh, and i almost wonder i almost wonder if it couldn't have been like an additional kind of like head twit mind twist kind of thing where the stuff with Santa at the North Pole, like, did happen, and then he just, like, snapped. Yeah, can we explain the end again? Because that kind of confused me. Um, the guy got, like, fired or something, and so he was Santa Claus, and he just ha- went insane, started killing people and imagining killing zombie elves. Um, and they revealed that at the end, and so, like, the news report that Chad has been giving throughout the movie has been like, you know, we don't know how many hostages there are at the mall. Um, so that guy was like on assignment or whatever at the mall. He was working it at a charity. He was working the charity food drive. He left the radio station and then went and killed all those people. Okay. And he he thinking that they were the elves. That they were that they were zombie elves when it was just the store employees. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. He was the weatherman. He was the weatherman doing the blood. Yes, he was. He was the weatherman at the radio station. Yeah, he just lost it. Um, David wanted me to very quickly interject that he thought that the look of the Krampus was a bit like if the villain of Mad Max and a Golden Army. Uh, person had had a love child um and uh, 
here's a here's a very quick question for you. Uh, this a Christmas horror story Krampus versus Krampus Krampus from last week. Um, who would win? Um, Krampus from last week. <laughs> he was a bit meaner. Krampus from last week, I think, was bigger too. Um, and we didn't really get to see like all of. Well, this Krampus was like, a strong physical presence, but we didn't really get to see a whole lot of its like powers. Whereas, and the other Krampus had minions. He had the toys and stuff. Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking about a, like just one-on-one fight. No, uh, no other additional help. I'd say Krampus from last week because we got to see that Krampus do more physical kind of thing, like jumping around on the rooftop. Like that would take a lot of power. Yeah, it would. And the one in this, the one in this movie, a teenage girl like stuck a stick through him and set him on fire. So, yeah, he was defeated by a, by a girl. So, so are you so are you saying that girls can't defeat Krampus? <laughs> well, no, I mean it was a good thing, but I'm just saying for that Krampus, no, it kind of that's, negates its its being better than the one from the the movie last week. <laughs> that's, very, that's very sexist. Showed somewhat by accident because <laughs> just kind of had the stick and she was like ah, and it like rammed itself on it. So she got kind of like, yeah, and then she set them on fire. I mean, which was smart, you know. Uh, but that one was defeated by a, a teenage girl, so I think that that kind of means the one from last week was just a bit more badass. Although here's the question: here's bit. the question, though, is that 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 particular uh, embodiment of the Krampus was the butler, um, which leads you to think: was he just a not so good Krampus, uh, like not good at his job, or because uh, he was brand new to it, or what? You know. I, I it makes you wonder if there are some Krampuses that are more crafty than others. I would, I would think it'd like be the same. You would think so. Although, the, yeah. although then, then again, uh, Krampus didn't really die because he's a spirit. So well, exactly, he moves on to the next. Yeah, so he can't. But was can't, defeated for the moment. For for that particular incarnation, yeah. But his spirit lives on no matter what. That's the thing. I think that it depends on how many bystanders are around. Because if it's just that one versus one-on-one, yeah, I think the Krampus from last week would wipe the floor with him. But if there's, like, a lot of bystanders, even Krampus's helpers, uh, I mean, he could possess any number of people, not at the same time, but he could just wear wear the other Krampus down to the point where, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, he takes them out. So... It just depends on the, the situation, I would think. Yeah. Well, the uh, this Krampus, Krampus did have a ton going on more too, which was that was more traditional. That and also this Krampus was had a much more of a powerful offensive fighting style with his uh, with his hook there, hook and chain. Uh, so it would That's just depend because cool. the other Krampus, the other Krampus did had his minions do most of the work for him. So. More than likely, if it was just a one-on-one fight, the this Krampus might have a greater offensive advantage uh, if his the other one's minions didn't get in the way. I don't uh, know maybe it's like Dragon Ball Z, where if like like the powerful villain like has his minions do everything until like the minions really suck, and it's like all right, fine, then then you see why he has so many minions. Yeah, well, last week's Krampus was much more of like the evil santa analog because he uh had minions and he had you know a, a workshop and all that stuff so he had more of a system in place whereas the other this week's krampus was 
the eternal spirit that never really dies out, but you know, is acts but acts alone. So there's different things to be said. Did uh, anybody catch? Uh, did anybody else have like? Did anybody else enjoy like the the random jokes that we heard? Um, like, like my what? two, my two were. Uh, it's like you know who saw that? Jesus saw that. Jesus and his dad. Um, I liked that, and then like the the one line with um, when they're in the ant's mansion, and, and it's, what what exactly? Uh, I want to be really specific with the quote here. Something it's. It's like Paul Bunyan and Dracula caved up and like built their dream home. Like I like. Oh that. yeah, yeah, that was. What do you think? Paul Bunyan and Dracula designed a house. I, there were some. There were some good lines in here, even though I was appreciative of the fact that it was much more of a serious, straightforward horror film, and it wasn't trying to rip off of off the tone of Gremlins too much, which is really nice, at least to me. Um, one thing I found kind of interesting that was, um, hinted at, it was kind of thematic. They don't really explore it too much, like any kind of deeper meanings, but you notice that, um, the religious side of Christmas is played up much more, although they don't really explore that too much other than just that it's an analog to the anything evil going on, like with the ghost and with Krampus and that kind of stuff. Just kind of interesting that one of the uh, things that the dad proposes when they're in the church is that if they confess their sins, then they can be absolved from Krampus's wrath. So it yeah, kind of go well, it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with what I was saying last week about that, you know, the line between Santa and the, you know, more religious aspects of Christmas are, not as separate as people like to make them out to be nowadays, even though obviously Krampus uh, wasn't going to let a church get in the way of his uh, his prey, you know, in this, like in this particular story. Although, didn't the church actually stop Pumpkinhead? No, it didn't. I don't think so. Never mind. Um, yeah, but... Um, Headless Horseman, that was it. It was like Sleepy Hollow where he had to like whip the chain through the window instead of going in there himself. The one story where the, they were in the school, didn't they say something like, oh, this year we couldn't put up the nativity scene? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Which they, they couldn't do that. And but then the bottom, that's, a, that's one of the other things I really liked about the, uh, that particular story is that you had, um, that one I feel like that one took the religious themes and went the, mo went the furthest with them because on the one hand, they talk about the quote-unquote war on Christmas with the nativity scene not being up, and yet there it is in the basement, along with the fact that it used to be a convent. And you know, then you thought about the religious implications of these girls that had these children without, you know, outside of wedlock and things like that. Um, you know, and so it, it, I just felt like it had a lot more going on on that level, in other words, it's like the the further you try to bury these things, whether in a religious or a secular context, the more that they're going to come out in some form or fashion. So that's that's I think that plus the fact that it was more overtly supernatural and non-physical. I think those things were what spoke to me the most about that story. 
Um, let's see. That was an interesting angle. I mean, there was more, like, there was more of a religious joke on this. Like, it was kind of stuff, but I guess not really. Uh, kind of what? Bother me, but I was, I was okay here because they didn't like beat us over the head with it. Um, like, I watch a pod, I listen to a podcast called God Awful Movies, where they do just religious movies. Um, what the hell is all that going on in the background? Goddamn. Um, anyway, so, it almost made me think a little bit about some of the stuff they've covered, at least in terms of Christmas movies. Um, but this movie was much too good for them to actually go into, and it was subtle enough that, uh, I guess it wouldn't really count. Unlike, I'm, say, I'm being distracted with a really loud shuffling. Unlike uh, Kirk Cameron saving Christmas, which I'm sure they probably covered. We gotta watch it now. I want. I want to watch it. Oh yeah. No, we gotta. If we watch it, I will watch it with the God Awful Movies commentary on. Uh, it was one of the very first ones they did. So uh, nowadays they do the entire runtime of the movie, like they cover it like play by play. But in the old days, they would only do like a little bit. Um, like it started as a segment on a different podcast they do, and so their saving Christmas here, I think, is only um, about thirty or so minutes. Um, but I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it before, and it was. What are you doing? Sounds like someone's walking through leaves. Sounds like somebody's <laughs> like just blowing into the mic. I have no idea. There it is again. I think it's Raven. Answer for your crimes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, Kurt Cameron will knock on your door and come for you. He'll come for you in the night. <laughs> ah, God damn it. You. I think that you've uh, incriminated yourself and brought the sentence upon yourself there, Dustin. <laughs> Brian, you've got so many sharp objects. Uh, <laughs> Come at me, Kurt Cameron, you freak. Uh, and uh, David had sent me a note here. He was saying that it's very possible that this was based, this I mean, Chris, uh, Christmas horror story was based on the Silent Night, Deadly Night, true story behind Black Christmas, uh, meaning the, the film which also ties into the first Tales from the Crypt episode, um, which, I mean, that yeah, there was a, uh, a Tales from the Crypt episode that was about a killer Santa or someone dressed up as Santa. When, they did, they, the, uh, when they did the Amicus one in the 70s, mm -hmm. they covered that story too. So the real yeah. Tales from the Crypt did it. Um, Amicus did it. The movie, though. That was the movie, didn't it? The anthology movie? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that was one of the segments they did. So I've seen like multiple versions of that same story, um, and actually, I just got Shout Factory's Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, this weekend, and so I was watching that. I need to get that. Yeah, feel free to stop after one. <laughs> well, it was really good. Um, the extras were pretty solid on it, and my favorite was this one called Santa's Stocking of Outrage, which was just like a five-minute clip show of, um, like, different letters that were sent in. Like, uh, here's one. Santa's Stocking of Outrage, the controversy. Something has to be done. It's so ghoulish to do this near the holidays. Little children are the ones who are hurt. 
some lady concerned parent, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> Which, interestingly enough, I think that movie came out in 1984. Is that right? Um, but in that same year, you had a British horror film called Don't Open Till Christmas. And that one was the exact opposite. Instead of someone in a Santa Claus outfit killing people, it was somebody killing people dressed as Santa Claus. And yet that one had far less uh, controversy. So it's kind of interesting to throw out there. Um, oh, here's another one. Silent Night, Deadly Night is one of those rare films that should have been graded according to blood type rather than content. Before the slasher film is done, 12 people have been murdered, nine of them by a homicidal maniac in Santa Claus drag. People are impaled, beheaded, shot, garroted, stabbed, and axed. It's enough to make a vampire gag. Sounds like a typical night at my house. Yeah. That's actually one that did that. That series acted a lot like how the Halloween series was originally meant to act. Uh, where they tried to make it into an anthology series. Not not anthology movies, but the series itself was an anthology. But the first three dealing with uh, the killer Santas, well, third one roughly, and then the other two just being other holiday tales. <laughs> I remember seeing, um, I think it was just called Silent Night, the one that came out a few years ago. I don't remember what happened, but I remember thinking it was pretty good. Something about a flamethrower. The one with uh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a pretty good one actually. I thought if I compared it, I, I mean, I I just recently rewatched all five, and then I watched that remake. I'd say the remake is my second favorite out of all of them, with the original Silent Night, Deadly Night being my favorite in that bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, I still need to see the rest of them, because um, I've only seen the first one. I still have some things to finish on the Shout DVD because it's on the Shout Blu-ray, because it's got so much content on it. Um, Do yourself but, uh, a favor. Don't. <laughs> I mean, the second one, half of the second one is just a recap of the first one. I heard it was just clips, because it was like his brother or something, and they couldn't get the rights. Like, they, they, they made some mention of it in the extras that they weren't approached for the second one. Like, the company just kind of did it, and they used as much footage from the first one as they could get away. Clips and slow-mo. Yeah, I mean, the, the second half was good, but the first half was just a, was just clips from the first movie. Uh, basically, let's reminisce about the first movie for the first half of this. Uh, <laughs> and then the third one didn't even have him in the Santa suit and had some weird psychic connection stuff. The fourth one was about a witch's coven that had nothing to do with the original stuff. And then the fourth one was about some demented toy maker thing. Actually, the fifth one was actually pretty interesting. Um, but more along the lines of that movie uh, Toys uh, that came out a long time ago. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, I, might, I might try to get into those for the, for the holiday here. Um. <laughs> Naughty. Okay. And getting getting I back to the much. to the movie that we are watching, um, I have a suggestion from from Dave. Dave is uh, you know is messaging all of us to kind of get through what he his points, and he wants to know what everyone thought if there was a hel more of a Helga type Mrs. Claus that had fought Krampus instead, if it had been a, a reverse role and it had been more of a female lead. That would have been kind of neat. I wouldn't have minded that. 
Ooh, but I'm probably like, you know, hot, hot blonde Helga, <laughs> German Helga. <laughs> but, but that could have been an interesting twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been like if Mrs. Claus had been like the one killing zombies instead of Santa. Like, that would have been cool. Yeah, that could be a whole other story, I'm sure. Like kind of the, they never really taught, done sort of like a domestic drama gone wrong uh, between Santa and Mrs. Claus, have they? Mrs. Claus is no. almost like an ad campaign. Like she doesn't, she doesn't do anything. Like I can't remember. Well, she does, except the, the uh, chauvinistic pigs who control the advertising industry don't want you to know about it. Okay. True. <laughs> um, let's see. Any final <laughs> thoughts? Um, you know, like even though the cover kind of gives you the impression that this is a cheap movie, like go see it anyway. Like, it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on. It's on Netflix. Go check it out on Netflix. It was. It was pretty good. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the, the, the thing I, I would say to you would be a good answer. The thing I'd say to your point, Dustin, with the um, knockoff covers uh, or whatever, they definitely, the timing of the, those kinds of films with like a similar title or prep or uh, pre premise or... Transmorphers with a P. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, some of them are much more overt, like uh, the Asylum obviously banks on that. And... Um, it just really depends, I think, because you do get these ones like A Christmas Horror Story that are quality films that happen to have a similar premise or are banking on a larger studio production to get noticed. Um, it's not like inherently a bad thing. It just can put you in company with people that really are just shoving out something to capitalize on a bigger movie. And even with the Asylum, there have been some ones that have been fairly decent, and there's been other ones like Snakes on a Train, which literally, it just, I don't know. It, I, it really, actually, it, it really depends. Okay with Snakes on a Train. Like, it was, a lot of it was dumb, but it had a few <laughs> moments I liked. I will give Snakes on a Train kind of a pass. Mm -hmm. Well, but you see what I mean. It's I like, it's one of those things where it's, part of it is, uh, trying to get noticed in the wake of a bigger studio release that has more advertising dollars with which to push a campaign and that sort of thing. And then some of it really is just to keep a uh, cheap cash in. And unfortunately you just kind of have to wade through the, the sea of those as they come out. I still um, have about 50 of those movies like on that shelf over there to watch and put on eBay. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm pretty sick. Well, if there's no other additional points, then we might as well each say who we are and what we do, as is tradition. Um, so why don't we start with Red Raven? I am Red Raven, and I am uh, from uh, Lake Geneva, and I am um, a concert promoter. Anything super cool you got coming up? Uh, not right now, no, but I will let everyone know when I do in the future. Please do. And, uh, let's see, Michelle. Hi there, everyone. I'm Michelle Yeager, and I'm from Yeager Entertainment, which is out of Detroit, Michigan. And I've been in enter entertainment for over 40 years. 
between right. uh, acting, modeling, within the music industry. Um, I am the only ever in the world born to be Wild Babe, licensed by Steppenwolf. And I was their Michigan liaison for, for the band from 2010 to 2016. You can find me on LinkedIn as Michelle Yeager. You can also find me on Facebook, Michelle Yeager, Yeager were Bomb you, Yeager, uh, or Yeager Entertainment. Were you there, Yeager Bomb? I am always the Jaeger Good. bomb. Excellent. <laughs> now, uh, Septim Sin, justify your existence for the audience. Septim Sins. Yes, uh, I'm Septim Sin uh, from, I do a YouTube channel, uh, Septim Sin uh, versus the world, actually. Uh, and I did cover this in my old blog, Septim Sin against the world. <laughs> Take that world, you fuck. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we are doing a Christmas uh, a Christmas theme. Uh, I will be doing the review for uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh uh, my fuck, yes. And then uh, I will be following up with a review for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2. Hey, um, did you know that NECA, this year NECA put out a figure, it's Clark with the chainsaw and hockey mask. <laughs> I want that's, it so bad. That's the that's the one I want to see. Honestly, I want to see the uh, personally. <laughs> I would love to see. Oh, I would love to see a horror comedy film about Same. some deranged killer or monster killing obvious parody versions of like the Christmas Story family, the National Lampoon Christmas Vacation family. You know that sort of stuff. I would just love to see them all get killed. You could try Santa's sleigh. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, like, obvious parody <laughs> versions of those. Well, like, we kind of have it, like, right at the beginning, like, with the, like, bitchy family. It's like, huh, wait, I've been good. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Same with, like, if they could, like, chop the head off of uh, Kevin from Home Alone and things like that. That'd make me sleep well at night. Um, what about you, Dustin? Would that make you sleep well at night? A.K.A. what are you all about? Am I... What you? No, I don't want. Like, why would you want to kill Kevin from Home Alone? Dick freak. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I'm Dustin. I go to UW. Lucky. Um, I'm getting kind of better at programming. Um, so progress. Uh, I collect horror, almost anything, and am uh, yeah. That's basically all I really do. I have an Instagram for my horror for my horror collection. Um. DHR Hunter, Dustin's Horror Hunter, it's not that great, uh, but I couldn't think of anything else. And so uh, I'll be posting like my coolest stuff on there as soon as the semester's over, because there'll actually be time to sit down and take a pictures of the, oh, probably 100 or more like movies and figures and whatnot. So go check it out. And you, uh, you spend a lot of your time converting oxygen into carbon dioxide, I assume. Uh, probably. I don't pay yeah. attention. Like, um, before I hand the reins back to David, I'll just say I'm Dane Kyle, um, independent writer, director from Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, you can connect with me on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Got all kinds of projects coming out in 2018. It's going to be an insanely busy year, and I will keep everybody up to date as things come out. And. Uh, May I also say thank you to Canada for delivering some good quality films that tragically
do not get enough uh, notice from people here in the United States, but we're happy to do our part here on Inside Movies Galore. And now I'll hand it back to David. Can I just say one more and thing quick? Uh, yeah, I'm also part of uh, a dead girl for Deadgar's uh, Dark Coffin Classics. And what makes you the best one out of all the dead girls? I wouldn't say I'm the best one, but I'm a good one. Well, you got to be the best one, right? You got to fight it out with the other ones to determine who's. I'm a pretty best. good one. I'm not. I'm not the best one. I'm not. I'm not that. I don't have. I'm not. I don't have a big ego like that. Well, then you're gonna be. You're gonna be easy pickings. Then I'm sorry to say. I guess I so. <laughs> I don't know you as well as Upper Katie and Celeste. I'm I'm biased. So they're pretty good. I think you guys gotta have a battle royale to determine it. Well, I'm newer, so. And who are you? But anyway, who are you, David? And what do you do? I'm David Streggy. Uh, I run movies galore from Milwaukee. I also uh, run Inside Movies Galore. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast night. Yes, indeed. Thank you all. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. And uh, right. we will talk about Merry Christmas. Uh, we will talk about what our next film will be. I am personally pushing for Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas because it will change it will change your life, I promise. Uh, can't we just watch a Serbian film again? Actually, wasn't, wasn't it just Christmas? Yeah, it, 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 it something what? Yep, bring Christmas. Oh, oh next right. Haha, right. <laughs> we're saved. Fuck you, Dane. Uh, yes, Dave. <laughs> Christmas saved from Dave. Thank you, Dave. It's a Christmas miracle. I like saying that he is a Wisconsin boy. And where do we find the movie? Dismembering Christmas is a Wisconsin filmed movie, so uh, so I wanted to uh, to do one from Wisconsin. So, uh, hopefully, everyone enjoys it. I'll have to I'll, I'll have to uh, talk to a few people after the show about uh, and what not, but uh, we will be doing base film next uh, uh, next week so uh, enjoy this uh, podcast even though you troubles don't forget to like share and subscribe do it do it <laughs> god damn it <laughs> like Just us share us and then subscribe share everybody share. all night. happy christmas to all and to all a good night right you're doing it wrong I suppose it's a cliche. Well, you do it better then. Mary. The time, Maribor. Live now. Make now always the most precious time. Now will never come again. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. 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 <laughs>